Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So, for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Resilient Science, the show where we spend 10 to 15-ish minutes each week trying to better understand the topic around rehab and the hockey and the science behind it. I'm Dr. Ben Cernick. I'm a doctor of chiropractic. I'm a strength and goalie coach. I am a graduate student who gets to research hockey things for fun. And as always, I'm here with Jamie Phillips. Jamie Phillips, former professional goalie. I have a master's of science, strength and conditioning specialist, current doctor of physical therapy student, and I also am a goalie coach. Um, we usually should just talk that this is more like a goalie podcast now, but sometimes it's, we do have hockey, hockey, uh, general. I, hockey say, I say hockey, but it's just a goalie podcast. If you're <laughs> listening you, at this point and you think we're just this gaslighting is you into thinking that it's a hockey yeah. podcast with the name, but it's just a goalie podcast. Yeah. The other thing too, is if you're, if you're here and you're like, what if I, what if I learned something new about the game of hockey that I love as a parent of a forward who's 12, there's probably better places for you. <laughs> uh, it depends. Um, well, when you go to like, when we get to like skill acquisition and like training. Those okay. topics, those yeah. are pretty general. That's fair. I, I don't want, yeah, I'm not trying to gaslight myself into me. Making and then that. we did have a bunch of, a bunch of uh, like episodes where we talked about like ice size and like yeah. youth development. So that, that is, yeah. that is hockey. Although as goalie coaches and former goalies, we do tend to, we're, the conversations that we get involved with are almost always goalie related. So that's where we get our ideas for each podcast. That's it. We're just here to talk about the latest news in goaltending. And the latest news in goaltending this week, Jamie, is that in the least surprising news of all time for people who've been paying attention, the goalies who everyone thought would be the best this year are once again the best. Who Did you see that coming? Thought No, I definitely... Did not. I thought for sure that there was going to be some sort of underdog story, the Rudy story of the NHL. Um, this, well, just for some context, uh, before the NHL season started, I texted Jamie. I said, this year is going to be the year that we are going to once again consistently see Sorokin, Saros, Shesterkin, Hellebuck, and Vasilevsky as the top five goalies in the NHL. Um 
Grimly, I have to unfortunately announce that they are only in two, three, four, six, and seventh place. So unfortunately, uh, this is based on moneypuck.com's goalie data. Um, Linus Allmark, first place. So what you're saying is the top 10 goalies are, again, the top 10 goalies. Just they get shuffled around a little bit from year to year. But that's like, that's where this is going to go. And this is our topic this week is trying to understand goaltending consistency. And this is where I wanted to pick your brain uh, without mm-hmm. giving you any details beforehand about what I was going to be asking you. Yes, you did not. Okay. <laughs> um, because what's unsurprising, I think, to people who've been paying attention who look really a little bit closer to this is that like year to year goaltending is one position that you basically can't uh, expect to be consistent, which is funny because I think in in the goalie world, everyone talks about consistency, 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 but the best athletes in the world really struggle at being consistent. And there's a few reasons why that might be true. And so I wanted to ask you about your experience um, playing pro and just like what the impact of a different coach, a different system can kind of have on like what you felt your consistency was Uh, And how you think that might actually influence the guys at the best level too. Because for example, Carter Hart this year, uh, currently eighth place in the league in goals saved above expected, which is great. Uh, Eighth place is pretty good. Um, Especially, you know, you're, you've given up 12 less goals than you're supposed to this year on average. That's pretty good. Um, Good enough for eighth place. But last year, not good. (laughs) He gave a lot more goals than he was supposed to. But then the year before that, really good. But then the year before that, not good. So that's kind of the Carter Hart predicament right now. Is he's been going up and down between good and bad and good and bad. Uh, but there's a lot of reasons why that could be happening. So let's talk consistency and let's use that kind of as a springboard. Jamie, what do you think is the first thing that you think could be kind of causing that for a lot of goals? Because it's not just Carter Hart. Let me make that no. clear. It's, it's, you can look at Sergey Bobrovsky's data. You can look at Vasilevsky's data from the late 2010s. Uh, and it's the same thing. So why do you think that partially happens? Oof. that's a, I kind of wish you gave me a heads up on this one. This is a hard question um, because it is multifactorial. There is no one answer as black and white. And the answer, the general consensus that we come up with might not even be the right one. Um, Agreed. So off the top of my head, it's that a goalie might play better under certain structure or system, or if that's a coach. So some goalies thrive with a lot, a lot more grade A opportunities, a lot more shots. Some goalies thrive with, you know, less shots, less grade A's, but they're able to play their best and be consistent and make those two or three massive saves and then have their saves, um, you know, expected above average high because of that. Uh there also could be things going on in that goalie's personal life that make it difficult. Look at Flurry. Flurry had to take a step away from the game for whatever reason. Um, you know, you might be surprised, but NHL players are also human. They aren't just uh, video game characters on your TV for you to yell at every day. But Jamie, they get paid so much money. They get paid. Oh yeah, that's true. Money definitely dehumanizes you, of course. Um, oh, okay, good to know. <laughs> no, yeah, it's just like I, everyone expects because they're pro athletes that you, they just don't have feelings or emotions or anything. Um, I don't know. This is hard. This is a hard question. And that's why, like, when people say they struggle to be consistent, we can only give, like, shake out that we, okay, we got to make sure that we're taking care of 
their, you know, your technique, anything we can, we can address because ultimately it comes down to you. But when I, for me, when I say consistent, all I want is a goalie to give us a chance. Yep. So, I agree. yeah. So like if we're, you know, so yeah, so maybe a goalie has this quote unquote off year, but if he is keeping us in games, maybe we're a bad team, but if he's giving us a chance and that means his goals saved, uh, you know, saved, uh, whatever, whatever the stat is, I don't, I'm not a stats guy. Um, whatever that stat is, the saves expected above average goes down then, but he's still giving us a chance every night. Me as a goalie coach and as a coach, I, I, I'm happy with that. So a lot of it does come down to how do you evaluate goalies? Yeah. So here's like, here's my example of this. And this is why I wanted to raise this because I, I think this is a really complicated subject. And I think people are, uh, it's very polarizing, right? Like, I think people are really quick to blame goaltending for being inconsistent. I think there's people who probably defend goalies too much. Like, oh, so many great A chances. What am I supposed to do? Um, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But I think a really good, um, kind of lead into this, Jamie, is Jamie, what's the current record of the Arizona Coyotes? Do you know off the top of your head? Of teams in the NHL that I follow, Arizona Coyotes are at the bottom. Yeah, well, that's fair, Jamie, because they are 13, 24, and 5. Right? So, oh, so not great. Not great. Uh, did you know that Carl Vimelka is in ninth place in the league for goals saved above expected? I actually did know that. I think maybe you told me. Uh, he's he's good. He's yeah. good what he does. Right. But so here's the interesting thing. And this is why when I wanted to raise this consistent question, I wanted to just talk about how team structure and just the impact of uh, team style and honestly team performance sometimes. Um, so Vimelka's played three more games than Linus Allmark. Three. Mm-hmm. Vimelka has 40, 4-0 more expected goals against him than Linus Ulmark does this year. 40. Three game difference. Right. So we talk about consistent goaltending. So Vimelka's having a great season, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's had 115 goals expected in 31 games. His team almost gives up almost four expected goals per game. And he is giving up somewhere around three and a half. And this is why stats are complicated. And this is why like this idea of consistency is complicated because like the more and more and more chances you give up, the increased likelihood of those really low chance goals going in will go in, right? Like you just, cause if you have more volume, eventually stuff finds its way in. That's just kind of the way probability works over time. Um, and so why do some goalies sign a big contract, go somewhere else? Well, they played in a system where they had less exposure to those opportunities. You go to a team that has more of those and how things kind of start finding themselves the way their way in the net, right? Kind of happened a little bit to Alex Ojelkovic going from Carolina to Detroit. Um, not that he's, he's a great goalie, just kind of struggling in a system where the shot dynamics a little different, right? So like th- that's kind of, that also doesn't just stop in the NHL, right? Like that can be in minor hockey, that can be in junior hockey, and so I think an important thing, and, and you can tell me here, and this is what I talk about all the time, is like you need to adjust your playing structure to the team around you, right? And this is more important for older goalies. For, for younger goalies, you don't always want to just play purely to win. You want to make sure you're still doing things properly. Um, but for older goalies, like you really need to adjust how you play based on the way your team plays, right? And this is not a mind-blowing concept, but that is a huge component of consistency. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I would agree. I just want to make sure that it doesn't people see the forest from the trees here and we're not saying that just because your team is bad, you can somehow suddenly throw caution to the wind and make excuses. 
you're not if your team is bad then yes it's expected that you are going to give up goals but it doesn't mean that you cannot be consistent to a degree in that structure if you're if your team is you know in theory going to give up you know say gives up 45 to 50 shots that's the high end i know the 60 to 70 shots that people say that's a shot every 45 seconds yeah right um so if you're on the, the 50 to 60 shots 40 to 50 shots per game if you can keep that around four or five goals, which is around the 900, that's consistent compared to a goal that's getting up 20 shots and keeping his goals around two. So there is, like Ben saying, it's it's so hard to judge. But before we dive, yeah, like before we dive a little bit deeper, just you know, no, this isn't us making excuses for things. This is the exact opposite. This is saying when your team is bad, you need to judge us, not just play your same system that you're that you're used to if you know if your team suddenly gives up a lot more ovechkin style one-timers you need to do something to address those ovechkin style one-timers you can't just expect that your team is going to change in front of you because the structure that your new team your new coach your whatever whatever that's going to change and you have to adjust with that yeah i mean i think like the the prime example always is the classic like oh i give up four goals you know all of them were, were rebounds like what was i like you know i couldn't do anything about it and I find that always really interesting because, you know, your favorite and my favorite rebound off the chest or off the glove. And you're like, well, that's arguably just a bad goal now. Like that whole play should have never happened. Yeah. Oh, it's um, like I'm giving up rebound goals. Okay. Well, <laughs> are you consistently giving up rebound goals? Yeah. So you could giving them up through screens. Uh, no. Okay. Maybe we should address your rebound <laughs> control because something there's something's not happening. Are you looking past the puck? You're looking through the puck. You're not watching all the way in. And then it, that goes down into the Instagram topic that I'm going to talk about uh, once we hop off in terms of being able to find the root cause, as you say, in healthcare. Ooh. Yeah, but I think that's like the my favorite example, again, for this idea of trying to be consistent on a team that's maybe a little bit less worse and like how you have to adjust your game um, is like if you find yourself, like you said, giving up, Back for one time is giving up rebound goals. Like you need to probably address your depth, right? Like if you're like mm-hmm. if your team's gonna give up a bunch of shots like that in a game, like you can change how many goals you're giving up by adjusting your depth appropriately, right? And like that's a read you should be able to make um either by yourself acknowledging that or by working with a goalie coach. Um, but that's that's necessary. That's how goalies, that's how these consistent goalies are being consistent, right? Like we're going back to this data again. Um UC Soros, like Nashville has given up 105 expected goals this year. Again, mm-hmm. you compare that to Dallas and Jake Ottinger, same games played, 32 for both of them. Dallas has given up 85, right? So you have two teams who are giving up distinctly significant different amount of chances. Uh, if you're UC Soros, you probably can't play the same way that Ottinger plays on his Dallas team, mm-hmm. right? And like yeah. that's that's why I think this ties into Jamie. You talk about this a lot, but try not to emulate goaltenders. But like these professional goalies, especially the ones who are consistent. So the ones we've kind of been talking about today, I'll put Ottinger in that this hat because he's been mm-hmm. now this group because he's been really really excellent the past two years. Um, like when you when you look at these goalies, like not don't try to model your game after them. Understand what they do well in the system and the environment that they're in, and like that's something really impressive, right? How does Soros adjust for the high chance given up Nashville team that he plays on? How does Allmark play on a team that gives up a lot more perimeter chances, right? Like those are things you can learn from goalies. And that's going to be more helpful than being like, ooh, how does Allmark hold his glove? How does Allmark stand in his stance? 
Yeah. So essentially what I I never thought of this way is, you know, we, again, one of the things that I'm very vocal about is again, not playing, trying to emulate the goalie NHL goalies, but in terms of what bits and pieces you should take out of how you should also be, like you said, you should be looking at what does the team do and how do they adjust their game accordingly? So one thing I would like to see as a stat, I would like to compare goalies who are very like the top goalies so say like someone like early like early columbus Bobrovsky. how did he how does his numbers change from columbus to florida and then how do we compare the system that columbus played and like the tortorella system under the the many coaches that he's had he's had in florida and then we'd have to use actual video evidence uh to see did he make appropriate changes did he play the try to say the same way etc 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 so it's so it's very hard these are these are not easy and simple things so you listening at home it's never that simple and that's okay that it's not that simple but you can think and you can make small adjustments in your game and your mindset and and whatever in order to come a little closer to overall consistency and overall success and you're never going to reach it just let everyone know Uh, i told this to uh, a parent the other day no matter how hard you try, you are never going to be completely satisfied with what you do. I can assure you guys in the NHL are not satisfied with their game. And it's always a process. And the only time you are satisfied is when you retire and you look back and you're like, that, I gave it everything I had. That is as best as I could have done. But hopefully you say that and you don't have the the regrets. And that's real. So important to not go crazy. But yeah. anyways, another, another, another topic. But so I wanted to, then this might be kind of the place where we, we end this conversation, but what's interesting in your time about like the kind of Columbus to Florida Bobrovsky, it's a great comparison. Another one that I actually have a little bit of information for you on is the Philip Grubauer pre Seattle, post Seattle situation. Mm. So um, Jamie said, he's not a numbers guy. I am only a numbers guy. Just kidding. I also watch. I video. Just, well, to be fair, I do send all my numbers questions to Ben and I say, Hey, can you take time out of your super busy day to crunch these numbers? <laughs> Put this in English for me. Um, <laughs> so a while ago, uh, there's a, an account that if you're not following um, Michael Blake McCurdy, uh, PhD mathematician, hockey wizard uh, at ineffective stats or hockeybiz.com. Uh, that's the plug there. He did a bit of a detailed breakdown on Philip Grubauer, how he's been in Seattle and trying to figure out what has happened in Seattle. And what has been going on in Grubauer's career? Because Grubauer has a tendency to give up way more goals in one specific spot than anyone else uh, for whatever reason. But what's actually interesting is, is when you start teasing that data out, you find out that he's just given up every goal ever in Seattle. Like he has been really, 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 really struggling since going to Seattle. And Jamie, uh, is it maybe a different environment trying to go from a NHL Stanley Cup winning caliber team to an expansion team. Do you think that maybe is a, a, a challenge as a goaltender to, to transition from those environments? Nah, we already paid millions of dollars. You should be able to make all the adjustments in the world and be, you know, cupcakes and rainbows, obviously sarcasm. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. And, and it's, it's hard. So, so I guess like, I don't want to, how do I say this in a non way? Where, who, who bears the responsibility? Obviously, the goalie. That's a top degree. The goalie coach, yes. Um, the, the team goalie coach and someone's private goalie coach, which, you know, Grubauer, whoever he works with when he goes back to Germany. Um, 
all the all these things so it, again it's it's a large I don't, I don't really know i can't it's, i'm having a hard time composing my thoughts on this one because there's so many there's so many things yeah i saw so, you know, i'm gonna, I'm just gonna expect, cut you off yeah cut me off do it yeah i'm just gonna cut you off i saw a thing again right like so so grubauer comes from colorado um a team that uh dynamic with the puck and transitioned a team that historically kept things pretty well to the perimeter. Um, but what's really interesting is, is Grubauer for those people who have watched a lot of Grubauer video, which I now get to put myself in this category on, which I think is very funny. Uh, he is ultra dynamic laterally, like one of the most dynamic lateral goalies, probably in the NHL. Um, I think that's an underappreciated component of him. Like I would say he's laterally, uh, at least when he's transitioning from feet to to the ice, that dynamic system, uh, one of the best in the league. I think where he actually does struggle is lateral, like being lateral on his feet. Um, I find that's actually where he gets beat a lot on transition is when he, when you again, probably watched a hundred goals of him in the past month. Uh, when he gets beat, a lot of it is from just not ideal positioning as he's trying to transition on his feet in a really fast play. And that's a hard read for anyone. So that's not exactly like, oh, make goalie move. What a revolutionary scoring tactic. Um, but what's interesting there is you in Seattle, a team that was giving up or has given up a lot more odd man pressure than he would have been given up in Colorado, especially stuff that is, uh, again, more three on twos, more four on twos and more in zone breakdowns where there's stuff that occurs higher up. That's where Guerrero yeah. struggles. Right. Yeah. So you, you took him in, in Colorado who did a bit better of a job, much bit better back checking team, um, bit better on keeping their backdoor chances tighter than higher yeah. up. Uh, and, and Grubauer is ultra successful there. You put him in a team where those exact situations are flipped. Maybe the things that he's not particularly as good at, that's what the team is giving up. And now he's struggling. And like a part of it comes down to again, and Grubauer is, I think he's, yeah, he's a 91, right? So he's 32, he's turning, sorry, 31, he's turning 32 this year. Um, it's, it's like, okay, you've spent your whole career playing a certain way that's been successful. And now you're put in a new environment where you have to try and play differently. And that's like really hard to figure out, mm-hmm. right? So like, I, I, the team's not great or hasn't been great. They've been playing, Martin Jones actually has been pretty good in Seattle recently. Yeah, I uh, broke down a few Martin Jones games for like a Patreon uh, request. Uh, I actually like watching Martin Jones. He's, I never really, it sounds bad. I just never, like him being on the West Coast, he never really got that much attention. And, you know, he wants to stay on the cup behind quick. He is good at controlling his game. Oh, I was going really to say, good uh, at controlling his game. He knows that he's not super athletic and flexible. So he minimizes all his movements. And he's so, I was so impressed. Like, I, I, I was so impressed by watching these games. This is like, and this is probably where we maybe should have let off with. But when you look at the, the people who have been historically successful over the last 15 years of the NHL goaltending wise, you have two camps. You have, um, below average for the NHL skaters who are ultra positional. That's your Connor Hellebucks. Um, that's your Henrik Lundqvists who didn't really leave their goal line. Um, and then you have these remarkable skaters. You have UC Saros, you have Igor Shosturkin, you have Andre Vasilevsky, who are just the like Russians. <laughs> you have the Russian machine and you yeah. have positional goalies. Those are the, except for Saros is finished. So, um, but like, yeah, so that's, that's where I'm coming from. Yeah. Uh, Jones, again, for fun fact, a really fun positional goaltender. He's kind of a pivot rotate goalie. Um, 
who people don't know what that means. It means they, they don't take out a lot of depth. They kind of rotate around in their crease. They don't actually open up a ton laterally. Um, it's a, it's a very effective style when you're six foot three and have been doing it for 15 years. Um, but it does, if you watch it closely, you you realize they don't like T push a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, I know it's. And then, so to wrap this up, I guess like where, if you had to give a hard answer, and I know that's hard because the, the topic's so, so vague, um, not vague, just intricate and yeah. nuanced where why so what would you say why do we expect goalies to be as dominant when all these other variables change when they get traded uh the answer is historic bias and bad memory is my answer i think like we i think what happens uh especially because goaltending again you have a single player who's playing most of your games i think historically as hockey people um, it's really easy to remember the one or two or three dominant goalies who are consistent. And it's really easy to forget that there's another 70 guys who play games in the league. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, you're like, Oh, we need to find one of those consistent goals. There's just not that many of them. Uh, and the reason there's not that many of them is it's really hard to be able to mold your game to the environment and deal with the circumstances and find playing a system that works consistently, especially when you're signing new contracts and being traded. So my long winded answer is I think the expectation that goalies at the highest level are going to be consistent is a misguided situation unless um, the team is able to appreciate the dynamics of a goaltender. And I think that's like where the future of statistics and the future of advanced uh, hockey analytics will take us is Mm -hmm. understanding like goalie environment fit as like one of the big predictors of success. Um, because again, like, and I'll close this off is like, if Soros ever leaves Nashville and Nashville should do their very best to never let him leave Nashville. Um, mm-hmm. If he goes to a team that does not play the way that Nashville plays, not to be fair, Nashville's going to have a lot of chances here, but if they go to a team that plays differently from Nashville, like, there's no guarantee that that system works for the style that Soros plays, which is a more aggressive on the rush, um, like a high movement style game. He's a great skater, but like, you know what I mean? That might not work. Some that might not work in Toronto, right? Toronto fans might be like, "Oh yeah, if only we had UC Soros." Toronto plays mm-hmm. like a really like actually a really collapse heavy defense, right? Like that might actually not benefit Soros' style. Like the chances that that style of defense creates might mm-hmm. be better suited for someone else in net. And so my answer is: consistent goalies are ones that are able to thrive in the environment that best suits them for long, consistent periods of time. Yeah, I would also like I'd also go on a limb and say that those consistent goalies we talk about stay in on the same team for longer, and that they whether they have been drafted and you know developed through the American League East Coast whatever system to play the best system that uh, benefits them, or so they adapt that way, or whether that's just sheer luck that they're part of the same team we don't know but again like i when you're watching hockey this is the how we got it you're watching (laughs) hockey as a parent or a kid look at the way that that goalie plays within that system and then when you try to watch goalies that have gone through changes been traded big contracts been picked up by other teams and try to compare them from year to year and see how are they playing the same as they were or have they made subtle adjustments 
and that's it's hard, very difficult to see. Um, but you got to keep keep an open mind with these things, and it's not like like everything we talk about here. It's not black and white. Sure isn't, Jamie. It is not. Let's it wrap is it. Very, it is very gray. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Until next time, uh, if you're listening on podcast service, always does a great service to give us a uh, rating, give us a like, uh, share with your friends. If you're watching on YouTube, a comment never hurts either. Otherwise, everyone, thanks so much for listening. As always, if you have any questions, you can always reach us on social media and uh, find any information about us in the show notes below. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 